welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I asked the Lord for a word for this year in the beginning of January, because that's what we do. Heinz also does it. And I think most of us ask the Lord for a word. A word that can give us hope and confidence and keep us running through the year. And I grew up in a household where if we we wanted a word from the Lord, we literally opened the Bible like this. I know it's not for everyone. Heinz does not do that. He hears 2 Kings 2, and then he goes to 2 Kings 2. I'm like, Jesus. And I opened the Bible like this in the beginning of the year. And it landed on Ezekiel 47 verse 1 to 12. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're talking about fountains and water and streams. And the, the heading is the river from the temple. So it's a lot. I, I am always complaining to Heinz if he has too many scriptures on. But I'm going to speak fast and I'm going to read fast because it's a lot of word that we have to go through. But I hope in the end you will see why. So verse 47 says, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, um, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That is about a half kilometer. And then led me through the waters that was now ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salter water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live for wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the Engedi to Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. 
Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will, will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Okay, I don't know if you can see where we're going with this. In the beginning, there was a trickling from the south side. And then it says clearly that Ezekiel went through the waters. Okay? And then it was ankle, and then it was knee, and then it was waist, and then it was a river, a flowing river. Now, in the, in the Bible... I just want to say there are many um, examples, but I think in this in this situation, there are metaphors as well involved. And norm, well, sometimes in the Bible, when the the Bible refers to fish, it can be seen as people, because God says, "I'm going to make you fishes of men." Nah, okay. Trees in the Bible has also many options that you can go for, but. Often in the Bible, it says you will be like a tree planted by the river, which means you will flourish, which means there's provision. So I believe the trees mean provision. The water, in this case, I believe, is the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. The water starts trickling, then more, then more, then more, then more. And the fruit are the gifts that he's giving us, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts that you have, because you will bear fruit. That is what the Bible teaches us. Now, I want you to imagine yourself standing next to this river. And I think many of us do that. I think many of us did it just now during worship. That the river is flowing, and, and it's flowing, and you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to put my toe in a little bit. Let's pick a goat. I'm not, I'm not yet there where I can be. All in. So the word that the Lord gave me for this year was overflow. And it has been confirmed with many things, practical things, like I'm opening a jar of a smoothie and it just pours out. It's just too much. It overflows. And the rain comes down the gutter and the pipe isn't ready and the water is just coming out on, at the top of the pipe because there's a, a knock in the pipe. Overflow. Who of you are ready to experience overflow? Amen. Amen. Now, what you have to notice is it is the, the first time that the water is flowing from the temple. And that it is flowing from the temple and not a, a government building or a palace or something else. The river is flowing from the temple, which is the church, which is the presence of the Lord. In Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Does it sound familiar? And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Overflow. 
It's the first time recorded in history that Jerusalem had ever had such a river. There were streams and springs, but never a rich, mighty river, and never one flowing from that part of the city. It means blessing and miracle. It brought life, growth, vitality, refreshment, hope, and security. I can deal with all of that. Life, growth, vitality, refreshment, hope, and security. Many times when you think overflow, you think finances. And it definitely plays a role, but it's, it's not what it's about. It's overflowing of the presence of the Lord. Because when you are overflowing of the presence of the Lord, all of the other things will happen. Seek first the kingdom, remember that one? And all the other things will be added. And it, it includes health. It includes vitality. Everything we'll need. Now, I have um, I thought about characters in the Bible who might have experienced overflow. Who of you can name me characters that, that experienced overflow? Noah. Noah. <laughs> Noah, for sure. <laughs> well done. Solomon is very opgelet in the class. Solomon had overflow, people, like you won't believe. He was only 20 years old when he became king. He is now a sinky, eindelijk geweest. 1 Kings 3, verse 5 to 15 says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in a place of my father, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that they will be never have that they will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then he gave a feast for all his court. Right after this event, we have the situation with the, with the two prostitutes, remember, I'm going to quickly sum it up. Two prostitutes, both had babies. The, one, the one's baby died, and she stole the other one's baby while she was sleeping, and the mother woke up the next morning, and she's like, 
her baby, the, the mother who really had the live baby, had now the dead baby because she swapped them around. And she noticed that it is not a baby. A mother knows a baby. You know who's your child. And they went to the king. And she said, this is what happened. We both had babies. We were alone in the same room. And when I woke up, I had a dead baby, but this is not my baby, so this is her baby. And the other one said, no, 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 that is your baby. Your baby is dead. Mine is alive. And immediately, as a 20-year-old, Solomon said, okay, this is easy. Let's take the live baby, and we cut him in half, and then you each get a half. And the one who had the real dead baby said, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. And the mother said, no, 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 please, please have my baby. And Solomon said, that's it. You're the mother. For a 20-year-old to have that wisdom. So immediately after that, the wisdom kicked in. And he started making decisions and people came to him for counseling. And the other word in some of the translations is an understanding. He had an understanding. Imagine, Rarachila, imagine having an understanding about everything. Not just your field that you're interested in. Not just either science or history or art or an understanding in everything. In every situation, in every decision that you have to make, having that understanding, the wisdom that can only come from God. I want to just show you from 1 Kings 4, it's not on the thing, the Solomon's wealth, okay? These were his daily provisions. Daily. Al-Qadah. Every day this happened. 30 cores of the finest flour, that is about five and a half tons of the finest flour, 60 cores of meal, so it's 11 tons of meal, 10 cattle fed by the head of the stall, and then 20 pasture-fed cattle. So we have organic and unorganic, <laughs> free-range cattle and the ones fed by the head of the stall, 100 sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowl. He had 4,000 stalls for chariot horses and 12,000 horses, and the list goes on. He also had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which is not overflow, rather overkill. <laughs> Excuse the pun. <laughs> or as my mother once said, he had 700 wives and 300 midwives. <laughs> he probably had 300 midwives to catch all the babies coming from those 700 wives. Solomon was wise. In 1 Kings 4, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan. I didn't even know Ethan was a biblical name, which is very cool. And um, the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Kalkul, and Dada, the sons of Mahol. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. There's 1,005. Not just a thousand. 
He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. When the Lord gave me the two stories separately, the river, Ezekiel, and then Solomon, and I felt in my spirit that the key to overflow is wisdom. We need to get the wisdom of God in our lives, and the overflow will come. And, and I'm thinking, why wisdom? Wisdom, as in the Old Testament, is a God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the practical issues of life. Wisdom comes from the Father for God's help. God gives generously and without reproach. He does not want anyone to hesitate to come to him. And there's definitely something about wisdom, and we see it in Genesis 3, verse 6 already. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So even from the beginning of time, there was something about wisdom that they wanted to grab. Ironically, Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So she actually got wisdom because of the pride that came to a fall, and in her humility she got wisdom after the fact, after it was too late. James 1.5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If anyone asks, how many of you have ever prayed for wisdom? Once off, maybe? I think it should be a continual thing. Continual. Lord, more. I want more wisdom. Like I want more of your presence. I want more. Not be satisfied with what you have. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's not full of pride. It's not now like I know everything. Just ask me anything. I've got it. I've got it. No, it's, it's humble. It's pure. It's peace-loving. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. The fear of the Lord. Heinz has spoken often about the fear of the Lord. What does it mean? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord equals obedience. That's really what it comes down to. When he says go, to go. When he says stay, to stay. When he says stand, to stand. And when he says sit, to sit. When he says to speak up, to actually speak up. 
And when he says, be quiet, just stay quiet. That is the fear of the Lord and that is obedience. There are so many scriptures to, see, um, to say where it all started. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1.17, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I want to get back to the river. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming from the, 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 the water was coming down under the south side, etc. And the water was trickling from the south side. Some, for some of us in our lives, the water is still trickling right now. It's, it's still I'm, I'm getting I'm getting used to it. Um, some of you might have thought the worship was weird. It's not weird. It's the presence of the Lord. You have to get used to it, because that's what we're going to do in heaven, continually. Some of us are willing to, to go into ankle deepness. But you realize that there's movement necessary. You can't stand on the side and experience what's inside. You have to move. Ezekiel was moving with this unknown man, the whole time. He moved and it went to ankle deepness. And he moved and it went to knee deepness. And he moved and it was waste. And he moved and he couldn't move anymore. If you're ankle deep in water, it's very easy for somebody to push you over. When you are knee deep in water, it's all a little bit more difficult, but still. How awesome is it to be absolutely drowned in the presence of the Lord. How many of you have, have been to a, a big swimming pool at a resort or at a house, wherever, and you go under the water and there are no kids around? It's actually quiet. Have you experienced the peace under the water? If you're swimming, it's just, it's, it's literally, it feels to me like it's just you and God. That is what he has for all of us. The peace that comes with being drowned in the water. Ezekiel couldn't simply think about what's happening. He had to get in and get, not dirty, but clean. Some of us feel, I think, some of us still feel like we have to do something to get in the presence of the Lord. We need to perform. I know, I know, I know it's happening. And that means we're, we're carrying an orphan spirit where that is not from God. I, um, I can tell you a testimony from my own life regarding this. When Heinz and I moved from, from Joburg to Somerset West, we, we did that because God said so. Like we wouldn't have moved if he didn't say so. Um, and we had opened the Bible, scripture, confirmation, so we moved. And we're thinking, okay, God, we're in your will, so things are going to start working out. <laughs> da, da, da. <sighs> when we got here, it was as if the popo heateth the faneth. <laughs> in the old King James. <laughs> and um, we, there were so many decisions that we had to make 
like Heinz left his record label because he believed God said so. And if you leave your record label, they take all hands off. All hands off, okay? You must, you must think about what that means. Um, he also decided to leave the Afrikaans market and go into Christian music. Well, God said so. He didn't decide it. And um, the Afrikaans market is quite big. I don't know if you've noticed. Well, it was definitely massive prior to COVID. Um, and then he also told us to build a house or to renovate a house that we actually could not afford. Okay. So we are doing things by faith because the Lord said so. So we are obedient. Obedience is not easy. If you ever thought it is, it's not. You can see it in your children. <laughs> Apparently it's not easy. So at one stage I, I, I told Heinz, because um, I'm the do the books in the house and the spreadsheets. Um, he's the artist. And I said to him, your income has fallen with, like, you're getting in a fifth of what you earned when we were still in Joburg, okay? So um, I spoke about this on my social media this week. It was literally at times, and I just had a baby. I had my third son, so we have a baby. We had a massive issue with, with getting a place to stay, but God provided supernaturally. Um, just everything was happening at the same time. Uh, having a baby, trying to, I can't actually do business because I'm, I'm, I have a baby and he has to do, make some money because we, we <laughs> Heinz has not earned a salary in his whole life. Not once. Okay? Because he won idols out of university. So he's never worked for a boss and earned a salary. I get that all. So So we're both self-employed. There's not a 25th of the month that's going to rock up. It's not. At the 25th, when people are like, yay, end of the month, we start praying like never before. Like, Jesus, the first is coming. The David orders are going to go. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So in that time, we just stuck it out. We just said, God said so. We're not going to change now. Because many people get to ankle to what knee to I'm gonna go back. And he says, No, I want you deeper. And it's tough to go deeper. Because he wants everything. And it's hard to give him everything. So we we had end of the months where we literally had to decide are we going to buy electricity or food which one's going to win and we will stay awake till after midnight to see which debit orders went off <laughs> and who can we expect a call from the next day saying that it didn't go off so it was really really tough it was really tough but we knew God said and we stuck to our guns even during this time we were faithful in our tithing. We were so generous. I promise you, if somebody gave me 400 rand, it was like, I can't even do anything else. Like, it's not enough. It's not enough. 
to, to cover my debt. It's not enough, so I'm just going to bless somebody else. And then the next time you, somebody blesses you with something more, and then you're generous, you're giving, you're sowing. It's that outpouring of that river that I spoke about in the beginning. It got, we had every reason to cling to everything that we got in that time. I promise you that. Every reason. And we were like, no, we're opening the crying key at the back. Let it flow. Let it flow out, Father. Let it flow out. I grew up in a household where my father tithed. I grew up in that principle. That's what he taught me from, from a young age. And I honor him. He never pushed it down my throat. I just saw it in him. I saw what it meant to him. He has no debt in his name. He, he never, well, I can't say he never had, but he is retired with, with assets, with no debt in his name. And I believe it's a principle of tithing. So in that time, in that time, people, now you get perhaps 2,000 rand in, or, or maybe even more right now. You're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You sow, you give, you tithe. I remember one day my mom was at um, Gospel Skospel when it was still on. And I was home alone, Heinz was away, and I had the three kids, and, and I was already emotional because you can imagine how emotional one should be. Um, and she phoned me, and while she was in the concert, she phoned me, and Luis Obalo was singing Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that is our song in our family that has ever been. And when I heard the song, I just bawled my eyes out. I went to my computer, to my online banking. I literally took oil and anointed my screen, because now the money is going to go out there. And I'm like, Lord. <laughs> A little bit in his hand, he multiplies. I cannot multiply it. He can multiply it. He is in the business of multiplication. That is the God we serve. Legit. How often in the Bible did he feed so many people from this? Just five loaves, two fish. <laughs> which one's which? And I bless that money. And every time since, every time when I give money, I'm like, bless, Father, I pray that you multiply this seed. Because it is seed that you are sowing to get those trees growing so that the leaves and the fruit can flourish. It's all connected. Can you see? So I went into performance mode during that time. I was like, okay, okay, okay. What can we do? What can we do to get God's attention? Because I need breakthrough. Like legit. So I would go to Heinz. We have to fast. We have to fast 21 days, whatever. Whatever is needed, we have to fast. And Heinz just looked at me like that. I'm like, no, we have to do this. We have to do this. And at one stage he said to me, you know you're acting like an orphan right now. And I, I was offended. And I said, yeah, I'm a super Christian. I don't do orphan spirit stuff. And... Um, I went to my room. I remember it so clearly. He was sitting at the dining table. He said to me, the fact that you have to feel like you have to perform to do stuff now, it means that you're acting in an orphan spirit. And I went to my bedroom, and we had a little WhatsApp group with our church women um, those days. And I, 
I said to them, listen, I need prayer. I really, we, 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 we really need prayer, and we need a breakthrough, and we need it soon. And the one woman replied, she said, this morning I wanted to drop off a CD at the school, because Heinz normally took the children to school. She said, um, I, I felt in my spirit last night that this song is for you, and when I wanted to give Heinz a CD, he said, you already have it, so I just want you to listen to this CD, that song. And it's Bethel, I don't know which album, and I put it on, and I'm like, oh my word, sickerlik. It is Jane Johnson singing, what can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of song would you like me to sing? I'll dance a dance for you, pour out my love for you. What can I do for you, beautiful king? Legit. And that's how I felt. Like, say it what I could do. I can do And then God says, you don't have to do a thing. Simply be with me. Simply let go and fall into the river completely. So legit, there and then, I went to my computer and I emailed the Sozo ministry at that church and I said, I need a Sozo. I have an orphan spirit. <laughs> and then God said to me, watch, watch this space. And on Sunday in church, we were worshiping. And, and that is so, what I'm sharing with you now is so my heart for each and every one of you to experience during a worship. Because worship is not just singing the lyrics on the screen, people. I look at some of your faces. You couldn't be more bored right now. And it is, this, I look shocking. It's painful. It is painful. Because I'm thinking, do you even know who you are talking to right now? Do you even know? So this, this Sunday, the worship leader, we were singing, and she ended a song, and she said, what does it mean to raise your hands to the Lord? What does it mean? And, and obviously, it's like praise to you. It's like just worshiping God, but it means surrender. As the police by your come, is it... Hands up, I surrender. I, I have now no rights. You, you, whatever, you take me, okay? It means surrendering to God. And amazingly enough, I have heard once that the moment you raise your hand for a certain time above your head like this, there is a physical reaction that happens in your body that sends out, sends out endorphins that makes you feel good and gives you authority. It makes you feel like I'm on top of the world. I can do this. I can fight this battle. It is a physical thing. How amazing is God? Like the spiritual thing is so connected with a physical thing. Anyway, she ended a song. She says, what does it mean to raise your hands? And she said, everybody just close your eyes and raise your hands. And we're going to sing this song now. And I, I, was, I was in the zone. I said, I'm going to focus on what we're singing. And we were singing Martin's, Martin Smith's song, Waiting Year for You. It's literally, Waiting Year for You with my hands lifted high. And as we started the chorus, with my eyes closed, I sang, Waiting Year for You. And I heard God says, I'm waiting here for you. And I'm like, Waiting Year for You. I'm waiting here for you. I'm like, wie sing nou vir wie? Wat gaan nie Ek weet nie. And the next moment, I saw myself in front of a big, big door. Heavy, those wooden castle doors as a little girl. 
And I felt in my spirit I need to push it open. And I pushed it open. It's all happening in my head. And I saw God sit on the throne. And the next moment I leapt. I just ran to him and I jumped on his lap. And he held me like a father held his child. And I was shaking like this. Crying my eyes out. Experiencing the love of a father to his child. And I knew I was not an orphan. I've accepted him. He's accepted me as his child. I don't have to do anything. I can just simply be with him. That's all we need to do. All of us want the overflow, but none of, many of us don't want to. We don't want to get in the water. We don't even want to get in the water. And then when things don't work out the way we do, we're mad at God. Like you're not even in the water. Now you're mad at me. We have no right to be mad at God if we didn't bring our part to the party. Legit. It's going to be a short sermon today. Johan, kom so maar op. Kom so maar nou al op. 2 Kings 2 verse 19 to 22. The heading is the healing of the water. The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see. But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated. Okay. I'm speaking to the people in the room that says, Look, I'm okay. My life is okay. I'm happy. My relationship's okay. My finances are okay. Everything's just chilled. It's okay. But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. And I feel in my spirit that the Lord is saying, bring me a new bowl so that we can put salt in it. So that we can pour it over the water so that it will be fruitful. So that we will experience the lavishing trees, the fruit, the fish. If we look at Ezekiel and it says, oh, this is so amazing. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish. And when I hear that, I'm like, there will be many salvations that will follow you. But how can we fill someone if we are not filled? We cannot. We cannot try and save people who are doomed to go to hell if we are not filled up with the presence of the Lord. 
every single day. A large number of fish. Imagine, imagine having behind your name in heaven, she brought in a large number of fish. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Not she made so much money. No. She brought in a large number of fish. By the way, we got through that time. How? I can still not tell you. I was waiting for those prosperity teacher miracles. I'm going to open the microwave and they're going to be four million rand. I was waiting for that big bang, like somebody's going to rock up at our house or we're just going to see that deposit in our bank account because you hear it so often. And, and that was what I was waiting for. And God says, no, Papa, it happened gradually. It happened beautifully. It happened by going deeper a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It didn't happen all at once. We didn't dive in just all at once. We had to get used to the water. We had to get used. And you know what the funny thing is? When we were at that stage in our lives, we were the closest to God we have ever been. Is it not just so? In your deepest, darkest hour, you are the closest to God that you'll ever be. I had a client recently, and when we spoke to her, we're like, tell us more about yourself, da 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 da. She said um, she had a baby. It was a massive struggle. They, she had four in vitros, and then she also lost, and like, at, finally she had a baby. And we're like, how's your relationship with the Lord? <laughs> and she said, no, she's a little bit weary. We're like, what's going on? She said, no, I, I actually experienced the Lord once, one night, like tangibly, and I asked him, I want to experience you more. How can I experience you more? And the moment she prayed that, the, the disaster struck her, according to her words. She felt like all hell broke loose. And she's like, no, I'm a little bit scared. But, she says, I was at my closest with him during that time. He wants to be close to you. Any parent here will know this morning as we came in here, it was actually literally a miracle because Alana is doing what she wants these days. I went to get something out of my handbag and she grabbed her arms around me and she just helped me. And I was like, wow, I'm just going to embrace this moment because this doesn't happen often, but it's amazing. And that's all he wants from us is for you to run across the big banquet hall and jump on his lap and hug him and hold him and be in his presence. And it's so easy. You don't need a Sunday service to get into the presence of the Lord. You don't need a band. You don't need, a, you don't need that. You can close your eyes and be there right now. You can experience the Lord right now. You can experience him in the car. You can experience him at home, in the shower, wherever you are. But it helps if you get into the Word of God, which is life-giving. The word is a two-edged sword. It goes through bone and marrow. There's nothing like the word of God. If we compare how much time we've spent this week in the word versus what we've watched on Netflix, how's it going to look? What is the stats going to say? Which dominion are we supporting, really? Which dominion are we favoring? 
I want trees that flourish. I want large multitudes of fish. I want fruit that is full and ripe and beautiful in my life. And I want to start by asking the Lord for wisdom. If any of you are with me, please stand up. Lord, many of us might say today that our town is well situated. It's well situated. Some of the, the versions of the Bible said it's, it's pleasant. It's even pleasant. But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. And we don't want bad water or unproductive land, Father. We want flourishing trees and fruit and fish and everything that is beautiful and holy that comes from you. I pray that you will just flood everyone right now. I pray that everyone will see a picture of you in their mind's eye right now. And where are they situated in regards or with regards to you? Are they close? Are they far away? Are they even in the same room? Are they on your lap? Where are you situated today in proximity to God? Because it should be like the, the, the vine dresser where you are in him and he's in you and you can almost not see where the one ends and where the other one starts. That's where we should be. So Lord, I pray that you, you will take your salt. We are bringing our bowls to you today, Father. We want to be bold and bring our bowls to you for you to pour out salt so that we can pour it over the water, so that the water that's dead can come to life and will not be barren anymore. Lord, I stand in the gap on behalf of this church and I ask for wisdom. Wisdom and understanding in every situation. I pray that we will have a download of wisdom right now. We will experience how you, you send us Wisdom, supernatural wisdom, that we will suddenly realize that previously we didn't know what to do now, but, but now we know. And that we will choose wisdom before wealth and health, and that all of that will flow from it. Thank you, Lord, that you are the wisest, you are the brightest, the most beautiful. We love you and we want to be closer to you. We want to have more of you. We haven't even tasted what you have in store for us. Just there where you are, have a conversation with God. We're going to sing something. Just worship him. Just declare your love. Just repent. If you were standing with your toe in the water, just repent. Say, I, I want to go deeper. I want to have more. I want to swim. I want the water to just flood me. Thank you.
you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.